You know, um, I think part of what it means to be a faithful preacher of the text is to just acknowledge along with the people of God any reservations or any uh, challenges that the preacher has with the text that he is preaching from. And so I I simply want to be honest with you this morning uh, because I think sometimes in in the Christian world, in the church world, we can pretend like things are always fine when they're not. Uh, And maybe we pretend like we like Bible verses when we really don't. And uh, so we, we have this group of verses that we call the Beatitudes. Uh, the, Be- the word Beatitudes is not in Scripture. It's just in the heading above the Scripture, but it means blessing. And so we have this series of blessings that Jesus gives to these people. But here is my confession to you today, is that I don't really like the Beatitudes. They, they really kind of turn me off a little bit. It's not like we see these really all over the place. They're, they're fairly well known, uh, but they don't really fit the consumer Christianity mold, do they? I really get no warm fuzzies from them. In fact, sometimes I read them and I feel just a little depressed. How do you feel when you read these verses? What goes on in your heart? Let's, I just want to give us permission to be honest with ourselves about that. Because when we're honest with ourselves in front of the Word of God, that's when we're giving God a chance to do something in us and to do something through us. I've been looking and staring at these for hours this past week, and they just look right back at me. They just stare at me, and they stare me down. It's like a staring contest between me and Matthew chapter 5. As a guy who has to get up here and say something for 20 or 30 minutes. It's as if there's kind of a wall between them and and myself and and the Beatitudes are just banging on that wall, trying to get through to my heart and to my mind, trying to penetrate. Now, some of these I get. Some of these are kind of easier to swallow and digest. You know, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. I mean, those are, those are all right. Those, I can swallow those. I can deal with those. They're a little bit of a stretch, but I think they're attainable. But then we have some of these other ones that it, I just can't explain. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. If you have kids, think about it this way. Which of these would you wish on your kids? Oh, Lord, I just pray that you would bless little Johnny. And I just pray that you would let him experience persecution so he could come under your blessing. Who prays that for their kids or grandkids? Please don't raise your hand. It just shows you're not listening. Wow. Being honest with the text is not always easy. Why is it so hard to accept these? Why are they so difficult to grasp and to believe in? Maybe we should just stick with those passages that are a little easier to swallow. Passages like Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. That sounds like a good one. Or how about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who doesn't like that one? Yeah, let's take passages like that, plug those into our own life agenda, and then go down the road with a little inspiration from the Lord. Amen? Amen. 
But I think that would be the easy way out because if we don't take the whole word of God seriously, then we're not taking all of Jesus seriously. If we simply pick and choose what we want to hear, then we're not taking God seriously. And I don't really think the easy way out anyway is the way of Christ. Usually the way of Christ requires us to do some wrestling, and in this case, wrestling with the text. To stare at it long enough so that eventually it begins to do something to us. Not that we are figuring the text out as much as the text is figuring us out. The Word of God is exposing us to ourselves and all of our false allegiances. And I think that's why, if you're with me, I think that's why we can have a hard time with these beatitudes. Because these beatitudes rearrange our lives and they turn them upside down. And at the end of the day, that's really okay. Because that's really what Jesus does anyway. He calls us to live in this new world of God's kingdom, God's reign, where those who are poor in spirit, where those who embrace the poverty and the humility of the cross are blessed right here and right now. Jesus speaks of a world that does not immediately make sense to us. And our so-called as so-called independent, self-sustaining Americans, for us it's like reading another language from some extraterrestrial being. Are these beatitudes some kind of puzzle to figure out? Is this like a, a Rubik's Cube? Are we trying to take these words and make sense of them in the context of our world? Or is something else going on? Is it possible that these Beatitudes are describing another world altogether. The kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I have to confess that I have not experienced a lot of persecution in my life. In fact, I don't know, really, if I could look back upon my life and say that the, the level of persecution elevates like into anything that is dangerous ever. Last week, I was on the Texas Tech campus, and I was, um, I was, I was trying to do something uh, with a student organization on our campus, and I I had to go park in visitor parking. So I'll pull up to the box and the lady says, yeah, it's back over here. You got to turn around. So I started to turn around and, and I had to start the turn and then back up a little bit and then finish the turn. Well, I backed up and I was about to finish the turn when I heard this yelling right in front of my car. I was looking this way. And someone was right there yelling at me. It's this guy on a bicycle. And he starts yelling and screaming at me the worst words in the English language, okay? Imagine the worst thing someone could call you. That's what he was calling me. And I was really shocked. I'm thinking, man, did I run over something? You know, do I look funny? What's going on? Um, and he was just mad because he thought I was about to run into the bike lane. And it's a whole nother story. But I was just thinking, wow. That's not even persecution. 
I wasn't like following Jesus and then someone, you know, took me and threw me in prison or anything. I just got yelled at and I thought, that's not even for righteousness sake. It didn't even qualify. But what would that look like? Here Jesus is saying, blessed are those when people yell at you and call you the ugliest name in the book and do other things on my account. Jesus here is talking to his disciples and his followers. One of these days, he's going to be crucified on a cross for challenging Israel's leadership. Many of those same disciples are going to be persecuted for their faith as well as they follow him. But what would that look like if Jesus was here and now saying these words, telling us these things? What would he say? Would it be any different? Because of our context might be a little different. It's possible. It might sound something like, Wonderful news to the humble, for God will lift you up. Wonderful news to those who seek God's kingdom and God's justice, for it will happen. Wonderful news when you, because of your faith in me, experience hardship and trial, even persecution. When you don't get the promotion, when you get laughed at or made fun of, or lose the approval of others, or even get yelled at, and can still love others. Wonderful news, because you are already living in the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God is revealed in its entirety and its fullness, you will then have an investment to reap a reward upon. Wonderful news for you. What if we follow Jesus, not so we could simply get what we wanted out of the deal. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What if we follow Jesus, not so we could simply have, you know, a way to hedge our health bets so that perhaps we could be healthy till we're 97 years of age and then die in our sleep of natural causes? Or pick your own age of preference. What if we follow Jesus, not so we could be financially comfortable, but because Jesus is promising something much greater than all of these, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We will only pay the price of following Jesus if we truly believe that it is worth it. The extent that we believe the kingdom of God has value is the extent that we're willing to count the cost and pay that cost today. So is the cost of following Jesus worth the gain? That's the question we all have to wrestle with. Here's the deal. Sometimes we can follow Jesus and everything in the world goes our way. You don't have to live a life necessarily in this world that is utterly poor, utterly rejected by all. Sometimes we can follow Jesus and good things can still happen. Amen. We might retain our health or a good reputation or financial security. But sometimes following Jesus is different. For example, following Jesus is not a guarantee of financial prosperity. Following Jesus is not a guarantee of lifelong health. Furthermore, when we follow Jesus, there could be consequences. People might distance themselves from you. God might lead you to give more generously or take up a special calling that you never thought you would ever do. 
you might end up finding yourself being willing to put your own reputation on the line. You might find yourself shifting in your opinions about others, about the world, about our culture, about people. You might find yourself spending time and energy more so focused on building up God's reign in the world and His kingdom than all the kingdoms that we already invest in in this world today. I think Jesus is basically saying this. Whatever is happening to you, whatever goes on in your life, because you are one of my followers, you are truly blessed, no matter what those consequences are. And following me is worth it. You are blessed when following me costs you something in this life. To those who will never have high status or comfortable living in this life and to those who put status or comfort on the line for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom, Jesus says you are blessed. Maybe not with money. After all, Jesus never handed out cash. Maybe not with lifelong health. After all, Jesus healed some, but he did not heal all. And maybe not even with the approval of others. After all, we do worship a man who took on the scorn of many in the world and was crucified. But blessed with a substance of soul, blessed with an authentic self, blessed with a heart of love, and blessed with the very promise of God and assurance through the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise of eternal life in God's new world that has already begun. A blessing that cannot really be seen by the eyes of the world. A blessing that can only be experienced by those who place their trust in Christ. That's the only way to really get into this blessing. And I think that's a really good reason to like the Beatitudes. To seek God's kingdom over our kingdoms. To let Jesus be our Lord and our Savior. To let Him be our priority, our leader. To let Him be our number one, according to Jesus, is worth it. That's the value of the kingdom of God. May we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the hearts to perceive that value today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we simply have to confess that too often we simply follow you so long as it's good for us, so long as it's convenient for us, so long as it makes us feel better and helps us to cope through life. But we have to confess that often we fall short of following you to the degree that we enter into discomfort or hardship or inconvenience. And Lord, we just confess that that's because we have not yet fully grasped the magnitude and the value of the kingdom of heaven. Would you help us to see it, O oh God? Your children who have gathered in your name today, here we are. As we think about our families, as we think about our work, 
as we think about our neighbors, as we think about the world that we live in, our nation and all the globe, would you open our eyes to see your kingdom, to see the value that is so much greater and so worth whatever cost it would require of us. Lord, we know that that cost is going to be different for each of us. Give each of us the grace to place our real trust in you and thus to enter into that true blessing. Lord, speak your blessing over us today as we lay down our lives before you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.